Hello, hello. Holy crap, buddy. It feels weird just looking at you. Oh, thanks. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. It's good to have you back, man. I mean, sort of. I know you're Sure. kind of limping through this, but... Yeah. I've never been sick like this before. Yeah, Like, uh... I know. I've been worried about you, buddy. And a lot of people have, just so you know, like I've been getting a lot of messages on Twitter about you. So Uh, very people sweet care. very sweet um yeah when my my brother and my dad came out for christmas <laughs> <laughs> and then like well the plan was for them to come out like for christmas like or the week after christmas and Then like two days before they came, my brother got really sick and was like, oh, I don't and, know. I don't, and was I don't like, know if I should I'll come. come anyways. <laughs> No, he, he was like, uh, I, I don't know if we'll come. I don't want to get you guys sick. And then I'm like, well, it's just a cold. Like, who cares? Like, it's family, whatever, right? Famous last words, yeah. Oh, and then he came out and, and, uh, I, we, you know, spent the week together and played board games and whatever. And we didn't make out or anything, but. Yeah. I didn't get sick the whole time he was here. And then after he left, then I was like, I felt a tingle in my throat. And I was like, damn, it was that kiss goodbye Right. to the end. And uh, my dad looked really rough when he was here. My brother, they said he was rough, like on the drive out, like that he was like shivering and had chills, and was not doing good on the drive out. My dad was still fine. But then by the time they got here, my dad was sick. My brother was looking better. Still coughing up a storm. Um, but my dad looked like he was on his deathbed, like scary how sick he was. Like Yeah. never seen him that rough before. And then he was kind of sick the whole time he was here. And uh yeah, then by the time they left, my brother is doing better now. Um, my dad is like still sick. And What's crazy, man? Like, we're on week three here. oh, I know. It's 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 insane. Like, it's it's this is just like clung to you, man. Like, I, I'm glad to hear your brother's doing better. That sucks. Your dad's still sick. Yeah. How's uh, Michelle and Lily holding up? Um, they are. Sick ish. <laughs> Oh no no, they were right in the heat of it. Like they're, I think, turning the corner now, but Okay, they're still. so they, wow. So Like the whole they had to family go to the. got sick. Yeah, they went to the dog. Like they avoided me. Um, and didn't get sick for a while. And then my wife got really sick last week. I've, forgive me on my timeline here. It's all blended Yeah. into one. Um, my, my daughter has been here for two weeks now because she doesn't want to get her. She has a baby brother at her mom's, so we don't want to get him sick. So she's not going back until she's all, all better. Um, but they went to the doctor. Uh, two or three days ago and she's got bronchitis um, like fluid in the lungs Shit. as like a, as a symptom of this um, so the doctor gave her a prescription for some puffer um, which I think is helping my wife didn't get it because she doesn't have bronchitis but the doctor said that that's you know middle aged people are better you know kids and old people have a harder time with it but th they tested Tested for strep throat and stuff, and it wasn't strep throat. It's just a viral. It's a cold. We Yeah. tested negative for COVID. It's Yeah. it's just a cold. It's just Oh. a bad one.
So just a bad is. one, man. I'm, I'm feeling like much better. I'd say I'm like 90%. Yeah. I'm still. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you're still, <laughs> uh, I'm guessing you sent me, you sent me all the questions so that I can read them. Right. Yes, okay. please. That, that makes yes. total sense. And that's not a problem. So yeah, I, um, uh, but yeah, my headaches are gone now. Um, I had like the worst headaches of my life for like five days. And on either side of that, I had just like fogginess, couldn't focus. Like it was bad because I couldn't even like enjoy like a TV show or play video games or anything. Cause I was right. just like, I'd watch a show for like 15 minutes and then just like be bored with it and just be like, nah, I'm out. And just like, so I was just scrolling TikTok and, you know, YouTube yeah. stuff for like, it was just, yeah, Fuck. just two weeks of like, just waiting for bedtime. Like it was just, just waiting for the day. I'm to be nervous. Done. I'm nervous because it's out there. Like even Taylor right now has a headache, and just hearing you talk Ugh. about, it, I'm like, uh, because I fly out tonight at midnight. Like I fly to Florida to hop on this cruise ship mm -hmm. on Thursday, and I'm just like, oh man, like fingers crossed, health holds for me because I've been healthy, but like these ships are pretty, um. Oh, right. You get your cruise ships coming up. Yeah, I, I start cruise ships in like a day here. So, um, which by the way, Friday, you, you're going to be on your own. I don't know okay. uh, if we can talk to Joel I'll and see if he Joel wants to fill something. in or, yeah. Sure. Um, but I should be good for Monday, Tuesday. It's kind of interesting. So from the 19th to the 21, I'm on this ship <laughs> and I'm doing two shows a night. And then for the 22nd, and the 23rd, so like my birthday's the 23rd, I'm just in a hotel in Miami, just waiting for the next ship. And then I fly from Miami to Antigua and hop on a ship there that then takes me back to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, that's exciting. Yeah, so we'll you excited it, or what? I'm, I'm nervous, dude. I'm really nervous. I haven't yeah. felt this way in, I don't know, the last time I started a new job. Like, yeah. When you're when you're an independent cool. contractor as a, as a comedian, like I I I mean, yeah, I'm walking into different bars I haven't been in, but it's all stuff I know, you know. But like, yeah. this is the first time where, and dude, I'm a little nervous because the guy was like, yeah, 45 minutes clean, and then 30 minute sets that are super clean. So I don't know if I have a, I, <laughs> What's I don't know if super I have a, clean mean I I PG. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, so I don't even know. Like, man, I was going over like. I started putting my sets together and I was digging into shit that I haven't said on stage in 10 years. Uh, like I'm literally looking at old videos of mine where I'm like, yep, that got good laughs and was clean. Let's use it. Like, <laughs> you know, like you, shit is going through my head. Like, I wonder if I could call Drew Bame and be like, Hey buddy, can I use some of your material? Me? And I'm like, no, I can't do that. That's crazy. Like uh, I got a fucking. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Did yeah, you so. did you come across any material that you just didn't even remember yes. you're doing? Just Dude, loads of I like. Was, I, so <laughs> I I went through a bit of a panic attack, like not full on, but like you know where I was like I could just feel my heart getting, and my wife is just like Taylor's like, what are you doing? What about this joke and that joke? And I'm like, 
I forgot about those jokes. Oh yeah. She started to be like, you literally have so much material you never do anymore. Like you just got to put some work in and dig it up. So that's kind of what I've been doing the last couple of days. And I'm still super nervous, buddy. And exciting, this is the man. thing too. I was talking to other guys who've done cruise ships and they're like, you're just going to have to wait till you get on the ship. They're going to tell yeah. you what kind of material you can do. They're like some of these, some of these like princess supposedly is it's the one I'm doing is the Ruby princess and the enchanted princess are the two ships I'm on in the next week. And uh, I was told that sometimes it's like more operating like a comedy club. So the 30 minute sets might not be super clean. They might just be like, do what I want. But what I've been warned about is that like that can turn to super clean really fast. So like, I'm just going to have all my clean material ready. And if Go. I can, if I can, let loose, then I can let loose, but mm. I don't know, dude. I'm nervous. I'm super nervous. Um, and I'm nervous and about Adam. You know what I'm nervous about? Shit like um, getting from the hotel to the ship. Like I'm supposed to, you know, like they gave me my schedule, but there's not mm -hmm. a lot of information. And because I'm so new, I've already like, I feel like I've used up all my questions with the agent. He's very impatient with me right now. <laughs> I'm just Amazing. Like, I'm Amazing. just like, oh man. It's, um, it's that episode of Seinfeld where his agent is like bothering him with all these minor details yeah and then they're driving through that cornfield and he wakes up and he's like where's the road and she's like you said not to bother you with every minor detail and he's like, <laughs> like no road is a major detail, detail. <laughs> yeah uh, man yeah. so is taylor coming with you or she's joining you I, for part way not, through not on this not on this not on this first one. Um, okay. they do so you'll offer... come back home to canada entirely before you go back down for a second one exactly so I, i'm i am on this is multiple ships, cruises so okay multiple cruises and then my next one's not till february 17 to 19 which is going to be an easier one because i fly from into san francisco and then out of san diego so they're you know like this one i gotta fly to the red eye to montreal and then get into montreal at 7 a.m and hop on a flight at 9 a.m to, to fort lauderdale which is i'm also nervous about because i'm like oh, if i miss that connection that's gonna be a pain so yeah jeez well stuff. but that's monday exciting. i should have I'm all the all the you. details on how it's going and stuff monday's like yeah. my day off it's the 22nd oh, so we can get right sweet. into it <laughs> that's exciting i'm excited for you Fuck, it's so good you, to see you, buddy. This is yeah, so crazy. I, I know. You, you have been a part of my life like every day for the last three years, and then I haven't talked to you in two weeks. <laughs> I, I'm just like, and I'm, I didn't get married. I haven't talked to you in two weeks, and there's nothing that's happening. <laughs> there's no big news, eh? No. <laughs> uh, hasn't even been any big Blue Jays news. No. I didn't miss, missed, out on anything. We've literally missed nothing except um, more speculation. Like, I don't know, man. Uh, this Yariel Rodriguez, it looks like it's happening, though. Uh, yeah. Four years. The the actual ter the term has been announced, so they're signing him for four years. The money hasn't been announced yet. My guess is somewhere in that $30 million range. So uh, we'll save that for the show. But I, uh... I dug up. I, I watched a video on him today. His slider is supposed to be like a top 20 slider in baseball. So yeah. that's interesting, but cool. 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 Yeah. This I think does this close the door on Blake Snell? And those no. all that speculate. You think we're still in potentially on Snell? I think what's happening, dude, is that these Boris agents or these Boris clients are yeah. starting to panic a little bit and the market so. isn't where Scott Boris had told them the market. Like I guarantee uh, Blake Snell 
you know, coming off a of Cy Young, was sat down by Scott Boris and was like, "You're ready million. to be a quarter of a billionaire. No <laughs> way you get under two hundred fifty million dollars, yeah. especially after watching Yamamoto doing what he's doing." But everyone forgets. Yeah. Like, I love Blake Snell, I really do, but his walk rate is a concern to a lot of organizations, and yeah. he is thirty, right? Thirty. Yeah. Let me just before we. He's a shitty hitter. Yeah. Right. Thirty-one. Hmm. So, um, yeah, I'm just really curious if there's, you know, like if the Blue Jays wind up being able to imagine they can land Matt Chapman and Blake Snell for like two hundred million dollars. <laughs> like the, hmm. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get into it. Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, did you want to go through the questions here first, or should we just? Uh, hit record and and go we could just hit record and go i got the ones you texted me for yesterday sorry about yesterday by the way no problem just dude. woke I, up and was yeah. like it was not as good as i was not happening yeah um but uh for the Oh, for Michael Myers' question about like David Schneider, do the homework on other hot starts. Mm-hmm. I just found a it's an MLB.com article. Um, but this is the best OPS in ALNL history through 25 games all time. This was when yeah. this is from September 13th, but it's got a list of of the top 10. David Schneider's number one. But uh, I've got the stats and the careers pulled up for perfect. Um, all ten of those guys and what they turned into. Yeah. Um, so, a little bit of insight there onto what David Schneider, uh, what it means, sample size, blah blah blah, all that stuff. So, um. All right. Do you um? Do, should we start with these? Mark and Wyatt and Michael and Jeremiah and Shane, uh, like start with the Patreon and then we can get to my stuff. Or do you want to go the other way? No, yeah, we can start with this stuff. Okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I know I got Shane as the last one here chronologically, but might as well start with that. Sure. It's not really a comment, but just a welcome. Yeah. Um, I'm ready when you are. Okay, sounds good. Uh, three, two, one, and we're rolling. So good morning, everybody, and welcome to the walk-off. Look at this. The two founding members of this podcast <laughs> together again. Buddy, welcome back to the show. I know it's been a, a rough three weeks of battling uh can we call it the worst cold you've ever had? <laughs> I would say, yeah, the worst cold I've ever had. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. It kicked my butt. It kicked my butt for a long time. Um, there was the frustrating thing was about a midweek last week. I thought I had turned the corner. 
like I know Thursday you did. of last week. I was getting you ready were texting for the Friday me. show. You initiated text saying, I think I've got this, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yeah, I had to miss both my slow pitch games last week. I, my yeah. team was very annoyed with me, but I was like, I can't, I can't give this to people. This is this di- mm-hmm. this dies here today with me. And uh yeah, so now I f- I feel better than I did last Thursday. But I'm worried that there's going to be a third leg to this because my dad still has it, still fighting it. Yeah. Um, and so he's he's had it since Christmas. Um, well, he- I know I mentioned this when we first started the Zoom call before we hit record for the public here. But uh, I will reiterate that I have received literally, dude, dozens of messages on Twitter and yes. in Discord just mentioning that you are missed and that everyone's hoping that you recover and uh folks have been checking in on how you're doing some of the the patreon members have been messaging me directly and just being like is he alive like he's alive right this isn't a I'm death a, we're dealing I'm with so <laughs> i'm alive i'm alive uh my wife um said to me last night she says i've lost 10 pounds she's lost 10 pounds with this cold holy so because we've been eating nothing but soup right so yeah. it's been been brutal i uh, i gotta step on a scale myself and see how much i've lost but uh i don't want to get my hopes up that i'm a skinny boy all of a sudden so. <laughs> <laughs> well i know we did plan to do monday morning mailbag on a tuesday afternoon like normal and then yesterday adam woke up and sent me a message just being like we got to push this one more day so it is wednesday but we are here with a I would call it a mega mailbag. We have so many questions and comments from the last week. And I know that it has been uh, two full weeks since Adam and I have done this together. Joel, very admirably filling in for you while you were gone. And so a a tip of the hat to our our good friend, Hey Kami, truly did a very great job of of, of picking up the slack for you, but really glad you're back. So we're going to get into this mega mailbag at walk off podcast on Twitter. You can send us a DM anytime you want. We'll do our best to get your comment or question mailbag, the Patreon bump. Okay. If you are just tired of only getting your comments and questions in once a month, once every six weeks, you feel ignored. Well, for four bucks a month, you do get that automatic bump. While we're speaking, Patreon, uh, I will throw to Adam here. We do have a new member who is part of the hall of fame tier. So he's going to be getting a mug and then Adam will also fill you in on how you can join the Patreon. If that is something you would like to do is uh, support the channel. Yeah. Shane Carklin. Welcome to the Patreon. Welcome Shane. So Shane signed up for the first ballot hall of fame tier. That is the uh, middle of our three tiers. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Got a mug coming his way. Um, the the third highest tier is just for our Zoom watch parties. So no yes. no real point watch joining that tier right now. Uh there's no games to be had. Uh anyways, apologize for my voice. Um I also want to say, because you mentioned it before I forget, thanks to Joel, because I know he's listening. So thanks to Joel, hey Kami, uh, for filling in uh over the last three weeks as much as he did. Appreciate all the heavy lifting there. Uh patreon.com slash the walk off podcast. Um yeah, four bucks a month gets you into the Discord, gets you into uh, all the other stuff that's going on. 
uh, are on the show. Uh, Discord, by the way, is always happening. I'm always surprised at the fact that it is up and going every single day, 24-7 almost. So if talking baseball, talking Blue Jays is something that you are lacking from your life right now, let me tell you the walk-off Discord is active and is a good place to spend some time. So again, Four bucks a month gets you that. Thanks to all the Patreon members. I know we're, I think we're over triple digits now, but either way, a tip of the hat to all of you. Really appreciate the support. All right, let's get into it because we got lots to talk about and Adam's voice is only going to last so long here. So yes, sir. Uh, we'll start with this one from Patreon. This is Mark Drabert. And I really like this one because I get the sentiment and then we'll, it will open up the floor for you, the grounds crew to kind of give your comment on how you feel about this. So Mark says, why do fans seem to care so much about free agents getting overpaid in a league that doesn't have a hard salary cap? I constantly, I constantly see comments about you don't want to spend 200 million on Bellinger or some free agents are too risky to sign big contracts. Why? Why do you care? I understand it cheering for your favorite hockey team, one Jack Campbell or Jonathan Huberdeau <laughs> contract and your team <laughs> is screwed, but I don't get it in baseball. It's Rogers money. They made over $15 billion in revenue in 2022 billion with a B. I don't give a shit if they spend a little heavy on Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell. I don't care if they have to offer Bo Bichette 500 million to keep him around or Vladdy becomes the highest paid first baseman in the game. They own every aspect of the team. And this is very true. They're kind of the snake that eats their own tail as they broadcast own the team and own the media company in which they're, mm -hmm. they're putting everything out there. Um, don't skimp a little on payroll. Go pay for the best product possible. And I do understand the Jays have like a top five payroll in MLB already. So it's not like they're cheap, but I don't care if they have to spend a billion dollars a year on a roster. What's a couple extra dollars on my phone bill? You're already bending us over on that. Okay, so there's a lot there. Uh, first of all, snake that eats its own tail. Immediately, my brain went to... Rogers being the human centipede of baseball. Um, <laughs> don't Google that. If you don't know what the reference is, don't Google it. Just don't save yourself. My apologies. Don't Google. It's a very centipede. accurate. Uh, see, and this is why we missed you, Adam, is that <laughs> you just have a way of painting a picture for it's us. It's the food references. In it's a way. the food references. <laughs> the human centipede food references is what has lacked. Okay. So I am going to start with this, Mark. Um, I cannot speak for the entire fan base. I do feel very similarly to how you do about spending in baseball. My mindset is more along the lines of, yes, go out there, get the guy you want, pay what you got to to get it, fill those holes, fill those areas of need. Now, I've watched baseball long enough to understand that a major contract that does not fill the needs as you would hope does have the ability to hamstring an organization. Should it hamstring an organization like Rogers? No, it shouldn't. But they don't give a shit about winning. I'm going to tell you that right now. Rogers, it, it, winning would be a cherry on their financial cake. All they care about is that cake. And as long as that cake 
is feeding those executives. They are fine with this team being a wild card team. If they're putting butts in seats and they're making their money, they're getting their corporate boxes sold, they're making that cheddar. They're not going to spend more. So I think that's where the comments come from is the idea that there is only a finite amount of money to go around even in a league without a salary cap. We're not the Dodgers. I'm just speaking from the Blue Jays standpoint, by the way. Dodgers fans probably feel very differently where they're like, yeah, of course, spend all the money. Nothing matters. We'll worry about this in 15 years, right? That's not a luxury that Blue Jays fans have. Now, we're watching what has happened with George Springer and his contract. I think that... We were all very excited when George joined the Blue Jays. And I do think that there is still potential there for him to get some of his, for us to get some of that bang for our buck out of that Springer contract. But he has not performed to where the money would say he would. Has this hurt the Blue Jays in signing other players since then? Maybe. I mean, they did let Marcus Simeon walk. All of this to say, I agree with you, Mark. But I think that the the reality of things, even though Rogers is a billion dollar industry, uh, I, billions and billions they're making. I think he gave the money right, fifteen billion yeah. they made last year in twenty 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 two. They made fifteen billion. The money they're making is irrelevant to Rogers. Like the profit is irrelevant. Spending more money. If they're not, you know, if the equation doesn't work out to spending more money equals making more money, they're not going to return it. on investment, right? Like return on investment. dollars spent translating to tickets and Jersey sales, advertiser sales. Um, so, yeah, there is. OK. There is I like the way you put it. There is only so much money to be spent, regardless of whatever that number is, right? Whatever our team payroll ends up being. 200 million, 300 million, 350 million, whatever that number is, there is a number at which there is a, a limit, right? Um, it's funny, like the timing of this question is funny because I was just reading an article. Um, uh, the Edmonton Oilers are the highest revenue team in, in NHL right now. And there was the context for this article was that. You know how these Canadian teams have like shot themselves in the foot by having like they've really created this web that, that now they're all caught in where, you know, they are making so much money but can't spend the money to keep the talent they have or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm butchering the premise of this, but the idea is Yeah, yeah, like it's not the same in baseball, but also the luxury tax has acted as a salary cap essentially forever like it's mm -hmm. th this is a very this is a very new phase of oh we're just going to ignore the luxury tax yes like the steve cohen tax of it all the la dodgers shohei otani money of it all the blue jays being a luxury tax team like this is new yeah, this is not you know, you remember when we had uh, Edwin 
and Josh Donaldson and, you know, when we were good in the mid 2010s or whatever, that wasn't a luxury tax team. No, you know, like this isn't this isn't like, oh, the Blue Jays just spend unlimited money every year and sometimes we're good. Like that's not, you know, so like we do have a finite uh, amount of money to go around. So for for me, when it comes down to with like the Cody Bellinger, two hundred million dollars, is that an overpay? Who cares? It's not my money. It don't for me. Like it, it starts and ends with as long as we have enough money for Bo and Vlad. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't want to be handing out big contracts. Like when we signed George Springer, and when we signed um, Kevin Gossman, and Jose Barrios to his extension, like all of these deals felt like they were all lined up with the Bowen Vlad needing to be paid. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was, I was like all for it. I was like, I don't care how much money we spend while Bowen Vlad are young and playing for free. Let's spend all the money we can. This is great. But now all of a sudden the terms are different and it is like, any contract we give out this year, even if it was a Shohei Otani contract, right? Was like, well, if we if we do get Shohei and we give him seven hundred million, does that mean we're not going to be able to give Bo three hundred million or whatever he needs? Like, so for me, that's that's where it is with even like a Matt Chapman offer or mm-hmm. Cody Bellinger or Blake Snell or whoever, right? It's just about like, for me. So that's where it's always like. Is two hundred million too much for Cody Bellinger? I don't know if it is or not, but it it is a matter of if we give him two hundred million, does that mean that's two hundred million less that we can afford to give Bowen Vlad? And if if the number on Bowen Vlad is six hundred million, and Rogers is like, we have a six we have six hundred million dollars to hand out over the next ten years or whatever, and then we give two hundred million to Cody Bellinger. And now they're saying, okay, we have 400 million left. Okay, well, we can go get, we can keep Bo for 350 or for 300 or whatever. And now we only have 100 left for Vladdy and he's not taking 100. I don't want that. So, and I think a lot of it for me when it comes to Bo and Vlad is it's what it signifies, right? Like maybe, and I know that there's going to be comments yeah, out there. Why do point. you guys keep talking about Vlad? How often does he have to prove that this is who he is? And maybe this is who he is. And maybe they do let him go. And maybe that is part of the plan moving forward is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not the cog to the future of this team that maybe everyone had originally thought he was. However, if you're going to make that decision now and go all in on Cody Bellinger um, is there a world where a rebuild under where they just like strip down everything? They hold on to that one contract. You know, you see that sort of thing all the time in baseball where a, a team strips down and they can't get, I mean, the, the Orioles are still paying Chris Davis, right? So there are these scenarios where, yeah, you overpay on a guy, you over, you over, uh, estimate the value of somebody, and then you go through an eight-year rebuild. You finally are good again, and you still can't add starting pitching. Yeah, I'm talking about the Orioles right now. Yeah. But I just, I just can't get rid of the shackles of being able to freely say, 
it's not my money. Spend whatever you want because I know the repercussions of that could very well mean I'm a very sad Blue Jays fan for years to come if there's a mistake made. All that to be said, I'm still with Mark on this of like, yeah, Rogers, pull up your boots and spend some money. I don't give a shit. It's not my money, but it is my team. <laughs> you know, like I, I just don't wish to see them overspend on a guy like Bellinger and then be a very sad Toronto Blue Jays fan in, in 2028 when they're a horrible bottom of yeah. the AL East team. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, speaking of Laddie and the whole like this is what he is or 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 whatever, right? Wherever you fall on Flatty. One thing that's kind of stood out to me, and maybe this is just me not being like with the times, but if you can explain this to me. All off season we've been talking about how we like this team is lacking of like a, a cleanup hitter. Mm-hmm. Right? Like a number four guy. Isn't why isn't isn't Vladdy a four hitter? Like is that or is this just new baseball where your good hitter is number three. Like, I don't, I always grew up where like your Carlos Delgado was number four. Yeah. But. Or is it because he's, good. is it because he's underperformed or, or is it because we just had Tay Oscar hitting behind him and we're missing Tay? Like, what is the, because for me, it feels like, no, no, Vlad is our number four hitter. Like he's our cleanup guy we're missing a number three. Like we're missing some guys to get on base in front of him, And he also mm-hmm. needs to like perform to his, his levels that we expect him to. But I don't know. If like Vladdy's hitting, if Vladdy's hitting 2021 numbers. Yeah. I'm fine with him. Like drive in those runs. Yeah. But if he's, I, I just don't see 26 home runs as a guy as as that run producer and the third hole three holes probably where he should be. I I, yeah. I look back on the the Blue Jays lineups that did work really well, right? And Edwin Encarnacion was always that cleanup hitter behind Josh Donaldson and Batista. And I mean, could have Batista or Donaldson been the cleanup guy? Probably. They had the power, they had the ability with the bat. It's just like where do they project when it comes to strikeouts and stuff like that? I, I you know, smarter baseball people are there figuring this out than I am. Okay. So, so, but if you like, so look you at Joe think Carter, that, right? Joe Carter hit in the three hole, and they always had a Dave Winfield or a sure. Paul Molitor come in and do the cleanup stuff. <laughs> so, you think that if Vlad was hitting 40 bombs, he'd be a fine four hole? Like, I, I'd be happier with him in that spot, yes. Because then you could put a guy like, listen, there's this isn't in mailbag, but I know that I saw um, SCTI. Ian, yeah, right? Ian. Patreon member, friend of the yeah. show. He had a tweet talking about can is there a world where you can bundle a bunch of these mid-range Blue Jays prospects and send them to the Marlins for Luisa Rise? You know, like if if you had a guy like that, you could put a guy like that in the in the leadoff spot or in the two-hole, you know, load the front of your Right. Line up up with guys who get on base and then have your power hitters in that three, four hole. I'm so, fine with that. How are they want to go about okay. it? Okay. So in that world, in that world, let's just play that out. We, we make a package, whatever, whatever it is, right? Um, we got who's your leadoff guy? George Springer still, is he? No, I would put Arise number one. Okay, Arise number one, number two, Springer, or number two, Bichette. 
It's a good question, man. Either of I them? Just, and like, then I, at, number but, two, but, probably both Shad, Vashad, and then uh, number three, I still kind of want Vladi, and then maybe okay. you 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 put George in the cleanup spot. I don't know, man. I'm so on the fence as to where George Springer fits in this lineup right now because he <laughs> hasn't shown me. enough power. Where I'm like, yeah, he's got to be that four or five guy, but he has in the past. Yeah, he's I know. 34, it's... dude. I'm like, are are we just eating the next three years? I... Yeah. So I got to see more out of George than I did last year. This is going to be such an interesting season coming up. Like, regardless of. Well, okay. Here's a hypothetical for you, and then we'll get back to the mailbag. But would you rather. If there's two paths, one path is this is a 92 win team. We make the playoffs. Maybe we go to the second round or whatever. But Vladdy is the same Vladdy we saw the last two seasons. 25-ish home runs. Underwhelming, but still pretty good by all accounts. Um, <clears throat> Or would you rather see a season where offensively this team is mashing again? Regardless of who we add, whether it's Jorge Soler, Cody Bellinger, yeah. maybe we don't add anybody, but Vladdy hits 50 home runs again, uh, 350 batting average, something absurd. Like he's just MVP runaway guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like an 82 in team. We missed the playoffs, maybe because pitching kind of came back to earth, right? right? Or we had an we had an injury or a series of minor injuries, nothing like serious. There's no major bad tacos for anybody, but you know, like the season we had last year was pretty much other than Alec Manoa, best case scenario for our pitching across the board mm-hmm. through the bullpen. Yeah. All the starting pitchers like you say, Kikuchi was good. What? You know? Um, so that really floated us into the playoffs. Like which which of those two options would you rather see where we make the playoffs don't win it all because obviously that's the one you pick if we win the world series that's when you pick but a 92 win team but vladdy continues to be just a guy or an 82 win team because pitching kind of came back to earth but vladdy looked like oh yeah this is maybe vladdy is a superstar maybe vladdy is a first ballot hall of famer and he's figured it out he's turned the corner I mean, this really, my problem with this question is that, yes, I'm going to pick the 92 win team. Okay. Of course. Okay. I want to see my team in the playoffs and it means that there were some really bright spots in other players. (laughs) If Vladdy is going to just, you know, if they're going to win more than they did last year, year and Vladdy is going to be the same guy then somebody has picked up the slack in a major way and it's most likely Kirk and Springer two guys that they really truly needed to get going anyways so yeah I'm picking the the reason is though dude is like if I pick the 82 win Vladdy's the king are they moving Vladdy I heard that or that if you're an 82 win team you've 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 regressed to where the Jays are just a 500 team, probably fourth in the AL East, just behind Boston. Maybe yeah. even 
the last place team in the AL East. Like you got to take a good long look at this organization and wonder if maybe there is a way you can retool and only need to take one step back to take two steps forward by moving a guy who just put up 50 home runs and you might never see that out of him again. Okay. So I don't know, man. I I think my problem is with the way I worded this question. Maybe I put the win totals too low. Maybe okay. maybe I should have said like an 87 win team that just misses the playoffs. Like, oh, I, I don't know. This whole scenario, Adam. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Let us know in the comments uh, what you, you guys go. would like. But let's for, move on. For, We've got so for many For me, questions. whatever the win total is, I, I would rather see the team miss the playoffs, but be absolutely confident that Vladdy is a monster. I want to see the best version of him so badly me too man so badly so I, too, I i guess my point is i still think it's in there like that's I do the too. thing and i'll, I I'll let you finish if your it's, thought here but go ahead no i'm just saying like i know there's a lot of people who have already written vladi off i still think there's a 40 home run guy in there well i tell you what i'm a 25 home run season away from writing him off yeah like so am i like if this maybe not writing him uh, off, but like being ready to move on from him, yes. Being like, I don't want the Jays to give him three hundred million. Well, I'll tell you course. that, right? Yeah. Like if it's a twenty-five home run. I season. mean, I'm there right now, but yeah. No, but if he hits, if he hits, if he hits forty plus right now, I'd say give him three. I'd be. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know. Anyways. I just my preference for this season is yeah, because what we have two more years of control with Bo and Vlad. I think regardless of our of our win total, like we got some real tough questions coming. I know. I know. After this season, like this, I hate to say it, and Mish in Patreon is gonna puke on her keyboard when she listens to this. But like this might be the last season with this core together. Yeah. Like if things continue to not go right, if it's a mirror image of last season in twenty twenty four. I'm not saying like we gotta move on from Bo and Vlad and whatever, but all Every of a sudden those are moving on from Atkins and Shapiro. I'll tell you that <laughs> well, fucking much. Well, that's the thing is all of a sudden we are really in a situation where there's got to be real phone calls being taken on moving on from guys, right? Like mm-hmm. getting something while you can and and entering a rebuild window potentially, right? Like. Well, it's a scary if, proposition because ugh. obviously if the Jays repeat what they did this year, Shapiro's gone and so is Atkins. And if Shapiro's not, maybe, maybe there's a world where Shapiro can save his job by eliminating Atkins. But then you bring in a new general manager and what do new general managers love to do? They love to put their own thumbprint on the team. Yep. And what would be the biggest and easiest way to put a new thumbprint on it? Move some of the core who are on expiring contracts and haven't managed to be part of the solution to bringing a championship back to Canada. Anyways, dark, dark thoughts. Hopefully, hopefully uh, dark January. Yeah. Hopefully these are not questions we're dealing with. Hey, we're like, we're like a month away from pitchers reporting to camp. Yeah. Yeah. So season's right around the corner. I just mean, this is such an important season for everything about what this Blue Jays franchise is right now. 
Um, and I have no idea which direction it's going to go. I'm, I'm hopeful it goes in the, the good way, but mm-hmm. we're going to roll a six sided die and see which timeline we get. Hopefully nobody's wearing goatees at the end of this year. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get back to mailbag. Shall we? Yes. Okay. This one is also from Patreon. And from Wyatt, he says, am I the only one who's enjoying Scott Boris not winning this offseason? I'm going to answer that real quick. Yes, you are not the only one. Obviously, (laughs) this is a beautiful thing to see. I always like it when people with big egos get humbled. I think Snell, Chappie, Bellinger all need to taper their expectations a little bit. I'm not saying I side with owners, but lately I find players are getting a bit greedy since when has $100 million not been a lot of money? And you know what? Just to put into perspective here what Wyatt's talking about, let's go back to 2014, maybe it was 13, 2013, I think. Okay. And Alex Anthopoulos had approached, uh, no, I'm sorry, 2012. Offseason going into 2012, remember, Batista just had those huge 2010 where he hit 50-plus home runs and another 40-plus home run year in 2011 and Alex Anthopoulos locked him up for a five-year contract 12 million 12 million 14 million 14 million 16 million this was one of the bigger contracts that the Blue Jays had ever handed out now you look back 10 years later and you're like you just got yourself literally a right fielder with an absolute cannon leads the league in outfield assists for a couple years and is putting up 40 plus home runs for those like that's not even a, you couldn't get a guy you couldn't you couldn't get a guy who's going to hit 25 home runs and have a cannon for that this is like it, it's insane the way the money is going in baseball, I don't I think it's necessarily the greed of the players. If you're a player, of course, your agent says you're going to be able to get this. If he twists a knife in a certain way, you know, of course, they're all for it. Use every team you can for leverage. Do all of this. But I think why it's on to something here. I think Scott Boris may have overshot where he can go contract wise with Chappie, Snell and Bellinger. And maybe there isn't a team out there ready to give Cody Bellinger over $200 million. Maybe there's not a team out there willing to give Chappie $150 plus million. And maybe there's not a team out there willing to give Blake Snell $200 million. These are three very, very, very good baseball players. And there's no way they're sitting out. So at some point, these camps are going to need to get back to the table, understand that they're not going to be able to get the money that they want, and deal with the fact that, yes, if you want to play baseball, maybe it's time to look at the offers that are out there. And this is where I think there is an advantage for the Toronto Blue Jays because Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro do have money to spend. Now, they have put... There, these teams are like the Jays are very, very methodical when it comes to evaluating players and not going over the money they feel is 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 where a player is valued at. So if they have Matt Chapman at 110 million five years and they're not going over that and they're the highest deal out there, it doesn't. I don't give a shit if Scott Boris told Matt Chapman in April you're going to get 200 plus mil. Yeah. It just doesn't matter what Scott Boris says. Yeah. If the money's That's not sad. there, the money's not there. And so if imagine like the the Blue Jays actually managed to get 
Matt Chapman on a one-year deal can actually go out and get Cody Bellinger 150 million or something like that because the teams, the other organizations heard that initial price. Now that we're in January, some of these teams have moved on, have filled these needs in other area, in other ways. We've watched teams making trades this year that we haven't seen as prevalent in for, in in past years. You know, you watch Verdugo go to the Yankees. You watch some of these moves that the Red Sox have made, trading away Chris Sale. You watch, you know, like there there are moves being made that are operating outside of the Boris world. And I'm with Wyatt. I love to see it, and I love Blake Snell. I even really like Cody Bellinger. Who who is representing them is who I don't particularly like. And yeah, it's nice to see Scott Boros, Boris get an ego check. Um, yeah, I mean, like you said, these are real talented players that all have their warts. You know, none of these guys are Garrett Cole, right? None of these guys are... can't miss young Mm -hmm. supers like these are not Corey Seegers and Trey Turner's and you know these are the Carlos Correa level guys where or the Byron Buxton's or you know like there is real reason to be these are why these deals are so tough to even for both sides to come to the to an agreement right is there is Excuse me. They're genuinely a lot for Scott Boris to point to on Cody Bellinger's behalf. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, this is why he's worth this much. Absolutely. They're for sure. The hardware is there. The, you know, deeper down on his uh, resume, the, the history is there. Right. Um, but there's also the things that the teams can also genuinely point to with genuine concerns. Be like, yeah, but did you see three of the last four seasons? like yeah and it's like that for matt chapman you know like yeah april was awesome may was awesome you know um defensively a stud no one can argue with the hardware matt chapman has defensively but then you could also point to the other four months of this past season and and a lot of other stuff on his resume and go (sighs) yeah or like blake snell you said with the walk rate right and the fact that he's 30 you know it's it's uh oh it's such a tough spot but i remember when brandon nemo got like 160 million over eight years yeah that has to be the low watermark for cody bellinger right you would think you would think it would have to be like but adam the truth is if that if they're if that's not there I know, I know. At it some point, matter. I know. It's just, yeah. I just. Oof. Okay, so uh, we'll move on here to another yeah. Patreon comment. This is from Jeremiah Cannon. He says, "I wish Adam well. I've been behind on watching and didn't realize he'd been out so long. He's not the best part of the show. Neither Thanks. are you, Scott." Thanks. The best part of the show is the t- two of you together. And I agree. Wow. That's it's lovely. nice to have you back, buddy. Right? That's lovely. Lovely. Uh, now uh, be a good Mike, time to, to tell everybody, by the way, that you're not here on Friday. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not so, here. If you're so, enjoying the banter, if you're don't enjoying tune in this on banter, Friday. don't get used to it. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait until I'm back on Monday. Mailbag, or uh, sorry, uh, MLB Mondays, our Patreon mm-hmm. exclusive. Yes. Okay. Uh, this one is from Michael Meyer. He says, "Could you guys do the homework and figure out how the players that started their careers off the hottest, maybe top ten, actually turned out?" Yeah. So, so this. Um... This was interesting because this is you could tell that this is a question that was formed out of Davis Schneider's incredible 25 game start and how he was the highest OPS to start a career to ever, ever start a career. Um, yes, he ended up finishing the season, by the way. Um, sorry, 116 at bats. An OPS of uh, 1008, uh, which was an OPS plus of 175. Um, but through the first 25 games, he had an OPS of 1315, which is just off the charts. Um, so I did some digging. I was really intimidated by this homework assignment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I don't even know how to sort by this on fan graphs or whatever. I yeah. thought I was really going to have to learn some skills. Um, thankfully, I found an MLB.com article from September 13th. Uh, this is by Mark Petrello. Um, article, the best start to an MLB career ever is happening right now. Davis Schneider sports a record 1315 OPS through his first 25 games. Uh, the greatest start in Major League history. Um, so Mike goes on to do the homework for me. So I'm going to just totally plagiarize this. Um, but he's come up with the list of the top 10 OPS in AL and NL history through 25 games all time. Um. Going back to 1925, we have Mandy Brooks with one, two, four, six uh, for an OPS below that. Alvin Davis, 1984 with the Mariners, 1202. Uh, then we got Austin Kearns with the Reds in 2002, had a 1182 OPS. More recently, Reese Hoskins in 2017 with the Phillies, 1169. Uh, George Scott back in 1965 with the Red Sox had an 1165. Albert Pujols, certainly you know that name, 2001 with the Cardinals, 1149. Uh, Willie McCovey, 1959 with the Giants, also a Hall of Famer, 1140. And Mitchell Page with the A's in 1977, uh, 1137 was his OPS. So, the point being a good here, mix, a good mix of Hall of Famers and nobody. Yeah, for every Mandy Brooks who hit 188 in his second year and then never played again, uh, there's also an Albert Pujols and a Willie McCovey. Yeah. So the all this to say, a 25 game sample size. Who knows? Not necessarily a good <laughs> indicator. Yeah. Who who could have who could have guessed a twenty five game sample size? Not enough to tell. It's a crapshoot. Yes. Yeah. Um, interestingly, uh, further down the list, Jordan Alvarez, sixteenth best OPS to start a career. 
Bo Bichette, 19th all-time. Hey, that's very cool. I did not know Bo started so hot. I remember um, he did start hot, though. Yeah, it was, uh, I think, was it like one of the longest doubles streaks to yeah, start a career right. or something? That's right. It was something like that. Um. Okay, so the rest of this article, I think, is more informative here than just simply looking at a guy that had a great 25-game start, how the rest of his career turn out. Um, so Mike Petrello did some more analysis on Basically, how did Davis Schneider achieve these numbers? Right, so that's what I want to get to here, because um, I think this is really interesting. So, I, I think before reading this article, was well for sure uninformed on Davis Schneider, despite being a someone who followed him all the time, and we've had what three good conversations with him. Um. Still, I think I was in the camp of Davis Schneider, probably not Albert Pujols, right? That's probably where I was leaning. Um, Which isn't that bold. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> not, not, not bold. my hottest of takes. <laughs> uh, okay, so Davis Schneider. Um, here's some highlights from this article. First thing, you'd think someone slugging 815 would be hitting the absolute tar out of the ball but you'd be wrong. Schneider's hard hit rate is a good, not great 40%. Um, Essentially what George Springer and Brandon Belt did last year. Um, You'd assume that someone with a 370 batting average would be an incredible contact hitter like Louis Arise, who we mentioned earlier. Uh, You'd be wrong there too. Schneider has struck out 29 times in 102 plate appearances, 28%. Essentially tied for the second highest on the Blue Jays. So a high K rate, not good. Um, you'd think then that someone slugging 815 with the best ever start to a career through 25 games would be doing something extreme, and you'd be right. Here are three things, the kind of things that help him get past the fact that he's not hitting uh, as a velocity monster. <clears throat> so... Here's uh here's the three positives on Davis Schneider. And after reading these, maybe it ticked the radar a little bit for me, anyways, on maybe he is Albert Pujols. Um, and I say that with a little bit of jest, but um so th- again, I th- he this did take po- is getting hotter. <laughs> it's getting hotter. Now I do want to just put the asterisk <laughs> on these stats that I'm referring to are through September 13th. So The last three weeks of the season or two and a half weeks of the season are not taken into account. He did cool off a little bit, but um, absolutely no one in baseball chases outside the zone less than Davis Schneider. So the lowest chase rates in MLB with a minimum of 100 plate appearances, again, as of September 13th, Davis Schneider, 14.8, Eduard Julian, 15.2, 15.2, Robbie Grossman, 15.7, Travis Jankowski, 16.2, uh, Blue Jay, Kevin Biggio, 16.7, and then you get to guys like Mookie Betts, 16.8, Juan Soto, 17%. Um, so pretty elite company there. Um, yeah. I think, I think it is encouraging that was not chasing outside of the zone. 
um, a good understanding of the strike zone is a legitimate skill. Um, he also chased only 20% of the time in AAA last year, um, which means it's likely, I mean, even though he was doing better at the major league level, this wasn't a absurd jump. He wasn't going from 30% to 15%. Um, another thing, only one player this year, some guy named Aaron Judge, has a higher barrel rate than Schneider does. And barrels are the perfect combination of exit velocity and launch angle. That is to mean he might not hit it all that hard, but when he does, he's hitting it in the air. So best barrel rates in Major League Baseball as of September 13th, minimum 100 plate appearances. Aaron Judge, 26%. Davis Schneider, 21.2. And then we got Patrick Wisdom at 20.1 and Nelson Velasquez at 20%. Um, which leads us to this. Absolutely no one in the 21st century, no one hits the ball on the ground as infrequently as he does. So one key to his success, he's not hitting grounders. Uh, lowest ground ball rates since 2000. This is 23 years, Scott. Wow. 17% Davis Schneider. Number two on the list, Rod Barajas, 19.4%. So 2% more Rod Barajas for second place in the 2010 Mets and Dodgers. Uh, Ryan Shrimp with the Padres in 2016, 19.5%. Adam Duvall this season with the Red Sox, 19.5%. And Ryan Shrimp in 2017, 19.5%. Give um, reasons to be positive, man. It, like, some it, real it's, reasons to be, to be positive. He's... Not chasing. He puts it in the air. It's like his approach at the plate is don't swing at anything unless I know I can hit it hard. Mm -hmm. It's an approach that I wish was contagious, (laughs) to be honest. You know, like if to just I think the third, there was a third point in this article too. I've lost where I'm at now, but he has one of the lowest swing rates in general in baseball. So he's just like, even though his strikeout rate is high, it's uh, it's as if he's just, even if it's in the zone, you know, there's, you know, we all remember playing little league, right? You, you step up to the plate, first pitch called strike. And then what's the coach say? He goes, that's all right. That wasn't yours. That one wasn't yours. Yeah. Right? You got the next one, right? Now you've seen it, right? It's like David Schneider is just, or at least yeah, for the start of his career has had that approach of like, yeah, this splitter at the bottom of the zone is going to be a strike. That's not the one not I want to hit pitch. though. I, I could, I could fight it off. I could ground out to the third baseman, but I'm better off laying off of it and waiting for that slider that, uh, that I can rip hard. Right. So, I don't know. I like that, man. That's huge. That's good. So it's so huge. Is he the next Albert Pujols? After reading this, I'd have to say, yeah, it's a certainty. <laughs> Lock it in. Start anybody in Canada. Start naming your your newborn babies Davis. I don't know. That's I don't right. Know else to tell you. Let's get those oh. those baby names up there. There you go. I know Davis it's, it's the new I don't king. Know. 
It's exciting though, man. I love, it's, I love that you deep dove into this. Oh, there you go. Well, I, I didn't, I read an article of someone who deep yes. dove into it, yes. but that's about what we can expect. So, okay, so this next one is from discord. It's uh looking for Booten DM'd. And he said, Hey guys, hopefully Adam's back doing mailbag with Scott. If not, hello, Joel. What have you guys heard about the Cuban starter? I think his name is Yariel Rodriguez. That is correct. The Jays have been tied to him. Now, this was from yesterday. Uh, it's actually official. MLB Trade Rumors came out and said that Yariel Rodriguez, Cuban pitcher, is in a four-year agreement with the Blue Jays. Now, the actual money hasn't been said yet. There is still a physical that has to go down. Um, I know that there was some problems with getting him into the country. So more information is going to come out on this signing, but this is a fairly major, um, fairly major happening in the Blue Jays quiet off season. This is probably the most significant signing. Um, you could maybe argue IKF was more significant, maybe Kiermaier, but it's, it's right in there. So, Yariel Rodriguez, 26 years old, cut fastball. He throws around 95 miles an hour. Now, one thing to keep in mind, he was pitching in Japan in 2022. Uh, he was pitching in Japan for a few years, actually. They originally tried to get him as a starter to, to, to click as a starter. This didn't happen. When he was starting, he was throwing about 93 miles an hour on his fastball. That was his average speed. Once they moved him to the bullpen, that notched up to around averaging right around 96 miles an hour. He even hit 100 a few times in these relieving reliever roles. The big thing about this kid is his slider. So what I have read is that his slider is elite. It's already a top 20 starter, uh, slider in Major League Baseball with a spin rate well over 3,000 RPMs. So revolutions per minute. A lot of movement. He's messed around with inconsistent splitters and curveballs. There's some violence in his delivery and given his pitch mix he makes more sense as a reliever than a starter. Now, the Blue Jays maybe will try and do the Ross Stripling. I was just going to say this is what it feels yes. like. This is exactly what they're trying to do with him. Uh, it's also hard to say if he sustains his velocity into longer outings. I mean, I just did mention 93 was his average fastball as a starter, 96. So a, a pretty significant flip up in velocity when he is pitching out of the bullpen. But he's also pitched publicly in almost – he also hasn't pitched publicly in almost a year. So it's really hard to say what he looks like. The Jays have that info. Yariel had a 1.15 ERA with 60 Ks and 54 relief innings in 2022 in Japan in the NPB. Uh, he was Cuba's ace in the WBC this year. Where has he been in 2023? He did not pitch at all. And there is a little bit of a black mark on the guy for the way he went about getting out of his contract in Japan, which he just straight up refused to show up. His team wouldn't release him. They kind of fought about this over the year. 
His team posted him this year because he just refused to go play in Japan. Whether that is something that you wish to hold against him or not, I don't know. But it is uh, the reason he didn't pitch last year. This is from Ken Rosenthal. And he just says, um, over the past two and a half weeks, I've consistently heard the same. The Jays are optimistic they will land Rodriguez, which they did. And... uh, Hurdles evidently remain imminent, preventing the Jays from completing the deal, which is getting him into Canada. Again, I think there's some problems just with the paperwork and stuff. He did defect from Cuba, which the whole thing, the whole thing is messy. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting signing. And I know that there's a lot of people out there who have speculated that this means that maybe Kikuchi or maybe Alec Manoa is on the way out. Personally, I don't think that's the case. I don't think this really affects the Blue Jays' starting rotation at all. I think that they're going to take the approach that if they can get some length out of him out of the bullpen, that's great. Otherwise, he is, you know, like he, Ross Stripling and Mitch White, I think he's kind of being, he, Mitch White didn't work out. So he's taking over for Mitch White as that guy who, if there's a problem, if there's an injury in the starting rotation, he can go from the long man out of the bullpen, maybe give you that. Um, Christian Javier type of a pitcher with the Houston Astros, right? Like a guy who's going to get going to see the opponent's lineup two times through the lineup, and then that's it. Go out and pitch yeah. four to five innings and and move on from there. Adds depth and a guy with a lot of upside. Four takes years a little, takes a little pressure off of uh, old Ricky Tiedemann. It does. Um, what are your feelings on a guy on a pro athlete, uh, forcing the hand, like the way he refused to play in Japan, Mm -hmm. forcing his team to be, you know, to post him. Um, what are your thoughts? Cause this is. This is something I, I kind of flip-flop on back and forth on how I feel about it. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with... It just happened in the NHL a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, with the Flyers. Their young rookie, Cutter Gauthier, I think, mm-hmm. refused to play for the Flyers, and they ended up trading them to the Ducks. Um, What are your thoughts on... On a on a on a guy just doing this, being like, no, this is not the right situation for me. Like, are you player empowerment? Bro? Like, are you for this guy's doing what's best for them, or are you more like, no, like you gotta honor your thing. You got you gotta be a team player. You gotta suck it up and deal with it. I don't know, man, and I'm well aware that this is a very different scenario. But when I sign a contract to perform for a gig. Yeah. Nothing drives me more nuts than after the contracts have been signed, the venue or whatever, changing the rules, changing things up. I've even gone as far as being told, get a lawyer, try and get the money. I don't give a shit that I signed yeah. a contract. I, I, I know very different scenarios, but I do strongly believe if you're going to sign a contract, you should understand what that entails. You should understand the terms of it. You should understand how many years go into it, and you should be prepared to fulfill that contract. 
Um, am I going to hold it against him? I'm not because I'm a Blue Jays fan, and I think that this was a great signing for the Jays. Yeah. Do I like the way he did it? No, I don't. Yeah. I get yeah. you got to do what's best for your family, all that sort of thing, but also, man, a contract's a contract. So he had two years left on his contract with his NPB team, refused to show up. And this was a week out, by the way. He didn't mm. give them very much time. Uh, they fought about it for a year. There's still a year remaining on his contract. And they were just like, okay, we'll just get the hell out of here then. So that's kind of yeah. how that all played out. Drop a comment. What do you think? Yariel Rodriguez, Cuban reliever slash starter, now a Toronto Blue Jay, four-year deal, the money has yet to come out by the time you're watching this who knows maybe it will have already come out but curious your thoughts curious your thoughts on where he fits with the blue jays and curious your thoughts on the way that he exited the npb and wound up getting posted by forcing his japanese team's hand okay we're getting long in the tooth here we do have some more questions we're going to get to these as quickly as we can trevor dm'd us on twitter at walk-off podcast, if you would like to do the same. He says, this offseason is a parody of the Christie, or sorry, this offseason is a parody of the Agatha Christie novel, and then there were none. Hard to remain patient as free agent names come off the board and we have IKF. Interesting if Boris clients are overpricing the market or just being patient. Tail deal shows that guys like Solaire Market is soft. Tail actually has a better, has been more consistent, valuable player than Jock or Soler or JD or Hoskins. Yet a one-year deal is all that was available. Much of that deferred. There's no real question there. But he does kind of sum up the way Blue Jays fans are feeling right now of like, let's get some of this done. Let's go. Yeah. But again, a lot of these guys are holding out because they 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 don't wish to accept the market is as soft as it is. And who knows? The Jays might wind up really stocking up on these guys because they're the last team remaining with the highest bid. It's going to be interesting. We've uh, talked lots about that, so we'll move on to the next question here. Uh, Sarah messaged us on Twitter. She says, hey, guys, hope Adam's feeling better. Did I miss you guys having Blair and Barker on? Was that something that was supposed to happen? I seem to remember you talking about it. I always love the guests you guys get on. Keep up the great work. So, uh, Sarah, yes, you didn't miss anything. Uh, I know that uh, Jeff Blair has always been very, very generous with his time. He's been on the show numerous times. He even said that he'd twist Barker's arm and get both of them on. And then when we reached out, he said that they are no longer doing podcasts, just their own. Totally fine. Totally understand it. It's a bummer. Adam even said he doesn't even get the feeling that this will hold, this embargo will hold, that we can probably bug them again later on and maybe we can weasel our, our way back in, which of course we will try to do because we love Blair and Barker and would love to have them back on the show. Uh, we did have a great guest just yesterday. I sat down with friend of the show, former Toronto Blue Jay, now a Seattle Mariner, Kirby Sneed. So he, of course, was in that Matt Chapman trade. We talked about that, what it was like to be in Oakland during the chaos of being moved as an organization and the fact that 
Fisher and his only goals as an owner was to get that team to Las Vegas. We talked about the opportunity there was in the A's bullpen and and the fact that he's being reunited with his good buddy Taylor Sacedo, who we had on the show recently. And uh, yeah, so that's a great interview. That's coming out shortly. Just was in touch with Arden Zwelling. Good friend of the show. He said he is going to come back, but we're going to have to bug him in April and get him back on. He said that uh, he's just been concentrating more recently on having some actual downtime. So all the best he's to Arden. He's allowed to have some some downtime. That's completely fine. Uh, have been in touch with Scotty Mitchell of TSN too. He just released his top 50 Blue Jays prospects. Yes. And uh, he did get back to me and said that he should be able to work out a time in the next few weeks. So hopefully we have Scotty Mitchell back on the show. So we do have some great guests coming up, everybody. Blair and Barker, not yet, but uh, we'll keep bugging them down the road. We'll give them some breathing time. Let them continue to tell everyone they're not doing anyone else's podcast. And then maybe we can weasel our way back in there. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Sarah. Appreciate that. Again, uh, always appreciate that you guys enjoy the guests we have as much as you do. I know we always get a lot of uh, positive comments. Neil DM'd us on Twitter. Holy shit, do I miss Adam's contributions to the show? You guys are doing a good job of trucking along without him, but he's the secret sauce on the walk-off burger. A little food reference for you, Adam. Feel better. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, okay, so I was DM'd on Discord. So, um, yeah, this is the last question, and this is a good one to end on. So I was DM'd on Discord after a talk about the international free agent signing window broke out. Um, the man messaging asked that he stay anonymous because I was like, buddy, I'm going to put this on mailbag. And he was like, actually, can you not mention my name? He was worried that he looked like an idiot for not knowing this. But like the international free agent signing stuff is complicated. It is mm -hmm. weird. So sure. this was the question. He says, hey, guys, pardon my ignorance, but what is the international free agent stuff all about? And why are so many people so negative about it? The one comment said, it's actually just lucrative child trafficking scheme. I'm so confused. <laughs> wow. Okay. Every year, there is a three-week window where Major League Baseball teams can sign international free agents. These are guys that are not under contract anywhere else. A lot of these players are from the Dominican Republic and Latin America in general. Now, we did just watch the Blue Jays go through theirs. They signed a bunch of young kids. And this is the thing is these international free agents, the only rule to signing them is they must be 16 years old. What's the best way of putting it, Adam? These are lottery tickets for the most part, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, for any player, like, a lot of development through the late teens and early 20s needs to go right for a yes. guy to work out. This These was are, a big what, time what sticking raw point. Raw natural CBA talent, too. though. Yes. That's why these players are desirable in the first place right a guy has an explosive bat right 
Do we know how he's going to take to uh, the batting approach and how is his fielding de- going to develop? We don't know. Or maybe the arm strength. He's just got an absolute laser beam of a cannon uh, out in right field. Will he learn to hit? I don't know. You know, or he's got blistering speed, you know, these sorts of things, right? For a 14 year old, looks incredible. But also, maybe hopefully he's got another growth spurt left in him, sort of a thing, right? Or. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot of risk to this. And let's face it, whenever you're, this is where we start to get into the negative aspect of these free agent signings for a lot of these kids in the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Latin America, the Bahamas, all of these places where a lot of these kids are coming from. Baseball is really their only shot of escaping poverty. And when you're dealing with 16 year olds, this is a very slippery slope. And what's really dangerous about this is that these deals are not being made when they're 16. These deals are loosely handshake deals being made by these kids with these organizations. They're like 13, 14 year olds, and -hmm. they're being promised this massive amount of game changing money uh, to their family without any contractual obligation these are it's all hand it's almost presented though as if it is a certainty right like yes. let's say blue jays go down they're in contact with a kid hey once you turn 16 like we love everything about you for the next two years if anybody else calls you you do not return their calls this sort of thing. like right like once you turn 16 once this window opens for the signing the year that you're eligible We've got a four year, you know, we've got a contract, we've got a $4 million deal for you, right? Mm -hmm. Two years later, that that deal only exists if that kid continued to improve and develop the way they expected, right? If, if uh, any sort of hurdles came along all of a sudden, who cares? Nothing's in writing. The Blue Jays spread their money around this time. Now, last year, they spent $4.1 million on one kid, and every team is allotted just under $6 million. It's a really complicated system where you can trade money and you can trade players for to accumulate international free agent pool money. The, the negative of it is it, it's, it's a free-for-all, and we're dealing with 13-, 14-, 15-year-old kids. We're dealing with impoverished families, and we're dealing with um, an aspect of the game that Major League Baseball is well aware is problematic. In fact, this only benefits the owners because they are getting these players in comparison to what they would in their draft slots and stuff like that for pennies on the dollar. Even look at Gabriel Moreno. Okay, Gabriel Moreno, the number one prospect in baseball when the Blue Jays traded him. Do you know what the Blue Jays paid for him out of Venezuela? Half a million dollars? 20K. 20K, whoa. That's free. So for every guy, like, getting $4 million, look at... Look at uh, Vladdy Miguel, uh, Vladdy, I think it's Vladdy Miguel Guerrero, Vladdy's little brother, 16 year old. Yeah. Yeah, Half brother just signed with the Mets. 
and he signed with the Mets for, I think it was $3.5 million. So for every $3.5 million signing on a 16-year-old kid, there's a $20,000 signing on a 16-year-old kid who is then expected to come to America, expected to integrate himself into uh, the culture, expected to pay for his lodging and is all this stuff, right? Just accumulating debt, all these things on the hopes and dreams that he can make his way up to Major League Baseball. And this was a big sticking point in the CBA. In fact, a lot of you will remember that it was going to actually be the thing that that prevented the season from moving on in 2022. And then they put a stipulation in that they would give them more time to negotiate this up until July 25th. They couldn't figure it out because why would the why would the owners want this to change? So it's really major league. It's it's at the MLBPA. It's the players' association that has been pushing so hard to change these rules, and it just hasn't really happened. And I think it's going. It's coming to a head. I think that come this next CBA, they're going to need to put into into um, account some of the. They're they're going to need to go to with an international draft. Most likely, yeah. is probably the best system here. Um. One other, I think, reason that the the whole process has a, a bad rap is the predatory nature of the, I think saying agents is almost too generous of a term. Mm-hmm. Uh, the handlers of these players, um, uh, by, by a lot of accounts, the, even the money that is offered to these kids doesn't even end up in the hands of these kids. The, yeah, the let's call them handlers. The handlers of these players in Latin America are uh, taken quite a bit off the top. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a pretty corrupt system. Um, child trafficking, I think, is maybe not quite. Yeah, it's a little harsh. Uh, um yeah that's it's a bit of a steep term to use um for what it is but uh yeah it's definitely uh taking advantage of vulnerable kids that uh mm-hmm. as you said for a lot of them it's their only shot uh out of poverty um and to like it's just really... so it's so it's so drastic how different the regular draft is so if you're a north american kid you need to go through the draft and a lot of these kids wind up coming from wealthier families a lot of that stems from the fact that you know baseball is a very expensive sport when you get into the perfect pitch and uh you know the that side of the game where you're literally paying for scouts to see your kid at Mm -hmm. 11 at 12 at 13 you know it's quite a racket baseball has kind of come up with here uh you wind up needing to go to college ball for the most point for the most part most guys are not being drafted out of high school and if they are a lot of them tend to forego that if they're not a high draft pick and 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 go in back into college and re-enter the draft so a lot of these players that are coming out of college 
have an education that has been paid for. They already have money in the bank. Let's say they're drafted in the fourth round. You get a nice bulky, I, I don't I don't know what that slot money actually entails there, but let's say $400,000, right? So yeah, these free agent signings internationally, there, there are the high-end guys, but for the most part, they're just kids that you're putting $40,000 on and crossing your fingers that this 16-year-old with two tools mm -hmm. can develop another two or three. Yeah. I don't it's, know if that yeah. cleared anything up or if we just made everything muddier here, Adam. But <laughs> Yeah. It's, uh, well, we're certainly not experts on the international draft process or international signing. Yeah. Cool. Signing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, that's, I think, I think we did an okay job of explaining maybe why it has a bad reputation and I think rightfully so. So yeah. Anybody that's, you know, if you only follow baseball, I don't want to say casually because that feels like a derogatory term. But if you aren't into the weeds of yeah, how did the Blue Jays get Alejandro Kirk in the first place, right? Like it's, you know, you follow the the big leagues, but you don't follow the minor leagues and player development and acquisition, which is uh, totally fair. Totally <laughs> fair. Yeah. You know, like... um you know, I play Dungeons and Dragons with my daughter and she loves it for entirely different reasons than I love it. Right. And I know people that love getting little mini figures and painting them. And I have zero interest in painting mini figures, but for some people that's the best part of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of the same thing with like following your favorite sports team, right? Like you either just yeah. love tuning in to, to the games or you love getting caught up in the weeds or the stats or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and there's no wrong way to love baseball. So, but I think the international draft pro, so I keep calling it a draft the international player acquisition process yeah. is, uh, is definitely something that it is the painting mini figs of, of yes. baseball, right? It is not for everyone. So if you haven't gone down that road before, uh, yeah, it's definitely nothing to be ashamed of for not being familiar with it um, to any extent. And on that, we'll wrap things up. You were warned, everybody. This was the mega mailbag. We had a pile of comments and interaction from you. We do appreciate everyone reaching out. Uh, again, thank you to everyone who touched base, worried about Adam. He's back. He's not 100%, but he, he toughed it through this one. Uh, uh, maybe he gets Joel to join him on Friday again. I'm away, yeah. but uh, I'll fill everyone in on this cruise ship adventurer of mine and how doing comedy on a ship is like. So uh, we'll there talk you to go. you all on Monday. Adam, we'll see you Friday. Thanks again, everybody at Walk Off Podcast on Twitter, the Walk Off Podcast on Instagram. You can always join the Patreon. That is appreciated. Take care of yourselves, everybody. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. Very good, sir. We'll get that up and out. Also remind me to put up that uh, Kirby Sneed interview today. I forgot the other day. So it's not up on Patreon yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, do that. And then we'll figure out a day next week to put it out. Sounds good, buddy. So, um, yeah. Okay. Thanks for making uh, time. I know, I know this was a rough yeah. one for you, but I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks really for letting me push it back to today. Good to be back. Um, you're traveling Friday or you're.
I'm actually getting on the ship. So like I'm I'm in a hotel in Fort Lauderdale and then 11 a.m. I go to the ship and board and I I just have never done this. So I don't, right, right. Right. I don't, I don't know what I your free time is. Exactly. Like. Yeah, 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 exactly. So um, just because Joel just texted 10 minutes ago and said, hey, do you guys want to do another around the horn podcast? We should. Yeah. Are you free to do I one didn't. this afternoon? Not really. No. Tomorrow no, I, and tomorrow's an yeah, tomorrow's okay. I'm flying all day. You're like, flying I'm all day. Popping on the red eye tonight. Sorry, man. <laughs> no, no, no. But, That's uh, okay. Um, you guys did one without me, I think. So maybe I'll just do one with with Joel then. Sure. Um, I do have a bunch of fucking stuff written. I keep telling him this too I that know. I gotta upload it onto the thing, and I haven't done that. I just I know. uh it's anyways. all good. Yeah. It's all good. Okay. Um then I'll set something up with Joel. Um and we'll I'll take notes of the important parts and I'll, I'll let you know if we come up with any sort of a timeline for yeah. uh, casting calls or anything like that or whatever. That and sort of stuff. Yeah. It sounds we'll good. We'll figure man. it out. Uh, when are you, when are you back from your cruise stuff? I'm back on the 28th. Back on the 28th. Okay. Yeah. Well, then if, if he, or you're free to like, if we text you, you're still good to respond and, and shit. I, I, I should, I don't know exactly how the internet and everything's going to work, sure. but uh, yeah, I should be, um, yeah, I okay. should be good. Like I, okay. it should be, I just mean being on the road. If, if he brings up anything to do with a timeline or, or, yeah. or major plans or whatever, we can just text you and hopefully you'll be able to respond with a day that works yeah. for you or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And otherwise, <clears throat> Monday, you're you're off. So Monday, we'll see you for for MLB Mondays and, and whatever. I lost you. You cut note. Okay, well, let's end it there then. God's gone. Patreon, uh, love you. We'll see you later. Cheers. Cheers.